Hey everybody, I hope you're having a great start to the week. Today's episode, I am joined by Chris Connors. Chris is a meditation expert and every time I meet with Chris, we have the most interesting conversations. I love the way his mind works and I really hope that you'll enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Just listening to Chris and his the way he approaches things, the way he describes and talks about meditation, even just this conversation alone made me feel calmer and just more optimistic. So let's dive in. Welcome to the Power Hour. I'm Adrienne Herbert, wellness coach, international speaker and author. Each week I speak to a variety of guests from business founders to Olympic athletes, leading coaches, change makers and innovators to find out their daily habits, their rules to live by and what motivates them to get up out of bed each day. Personally, I am on a mission to encourage, motivate and inspire, so I hope that the Power Hour will help you to achieve your personal and professional goals. Chris, welcome back to the podcast. How are you? Oh, thank you for having me again. It's good to hear you. Uh, I'm really well. I'm really good. It's a beautiful morning where I am. Great. Well, the last time you were a guest on the podcast, we actually did a live event with yourself, Professor Green and Melissa Hemsley for Mental Health Awareness Week. And the event was held in an amazing building. It was a beautiful, sunny evening with, we were really high up in this building with panoramic views of the city. And there were a few hundred people actually that attended the event. They were all sitting in the audience side by side and nobody was wearing masks. Imagine that. (laughs) Thank you for rejolting that memory. First of all, I had such a beautiful evening on that, but also just the thought of watching people not wearing masks right now, right? That seems like a different reality. A different time that we were in. I know, I know. I oh, really, goodness. really miss that. And al- although it's wonderful to be able to connect with you and, and record virtually, I really, yeah, I look forward to connecting with you in real life again. Wouldn't that be great? Me too. Good. This will, it will happen. It will happen. Indeed. So, Chris, for for the listeners. If they don't have any uh, context of who you are and what you do, I feel like, you know, you've been talking about and and teaching people about meditation for 20 years. And although now it's such a mainstream or popular thing for people to to talk about meditation, to practice meditation, um, I can only imagine 20 years ago, it probably wasn't the case. So could you tell us a little bit about the work that you do? Yes, of course. Uh, Wow. Yes, that's taking me right back. It's true that 20 years ago, when I started to learn to meditate, uh, you know, I, I, it was a very uh, quiet thing. No one really talked about it. In fact, it probably was quite taboo. Um, And it uh, was a a really amazing discovery for me and has taken me into the worlds um, of business, of life, uh, philosophy, therapy, uh, coaching. So uh, basically in my world, I, I'm a meditation teacher and purely, um, but I'm also had evolved into uh, leadership coaching. So I've been working quite a lot with leader, uh, leaders of uh, different companies, Fortune 500 companies, American, European, um, really helping them step into what I would call mindful leadership, um, bringing the power of meditation to become a more mindful leader, more thoughtful, more present in their work. Um, and then also I'm an entrepreneur. Uh, I'm a founder of an app called Oppo, which I'll, I'm sure, go on to talk about. 
Uh, and I have fallen in love with entrepreneurship as well and using all the tools that I've helped other people with I'm certainly using them on myself <laughs> yeah and I think this is you know a really timely conversation as you said there's so much that we're going to talk about today to do with meditation of course with your with your new app and I think actually the way that the last few the last 12 to 24 months has impacted you know technology impacted the way we communicate yes. people's expectation and uh, access actually to, to these tools so mm. given that here in the uk restrictions are starting to lift again at the moment there's definitely mm. a mixed feeling of you know excitement people that are just like yes i'm desperate to get out there and to you know yeah reconnect go to restaurants yeah. go to events dance you know people just want yeah. to get back out there but there's also of course people that have you know i guess a sense of fear about about not just re-entering the world, but I, I just think what that's actually going to look like. And this morning I saw that the cover of the Evening Standard magazine today has a huge headline that says London reopens. And it's in this wow. kind of, the this, it's got a blue sky background. It looks kind of like it's optimistic, you know, London's reopening and isn't it exciting? So mm. yeah, I think for people right now, there's definitely that that mixed feeling of maybe anxiety, maybe nerves yes, and yeah, yes. what tools and what things should we potentially be mm. thinking about right now to prepare us to re-enter the world? Mm. Yeah, it's a lovely question. I mean, the first thing I think was, uh, you know, certainly from my perspective and on the work that I'm offering, I think it's so important that first of all, we acknowledge where we have been on this journey, um, that we acknowledge what's happened in these past few years. So the temptation is to jump out of it and forget about it. Um, or to kind of, you know, as you say, to sort of go and do all those things we want to do, of course, because we're sort of pent up. <laughs> There's a sort of pent up energy. But I think the first thing we've got to do is just acknowledge that this is a period of life that is so extraordinary. And like you say, for many people, um, has been some for some people, it's been extraordinarily good. And for mm -hmm. some people, it's been extraordinarily difficult and probably a lot in between. But um, first of all, to acknowledge it, however it was for you, is one of the most important things to say, okay, that was a period and that is a period of time. How did it impact my life? And how is it going to help me going forward, whether it was good or bad? And so I would always encourage people to ask that question. Uh, you know, how was this experience for me? I would do that anyway with any kind of experience that anyone has. So um, number one is is really acknowledge this experience as uh, well. It will always be uh, a learning experience. So that's, you know, whether it's been good or bad for you. Um, and then I think the second thing is, you know, is to say uh, is to look into what I would call the emerging future, which is kind of like a near future. So not necessarily thinking about planning my life, but you know, in this immediate time, what do I need to do in order to kind of shift the way I'm feeling, right? So one of the things, you know, I know a lot of people, they want to go, they want to have a really good time, they want to just relax or party or dance. Or, I think that's fantastic, as long as, mm -hmm. of course, you can find your responsibility in it. I think it's great because in a way, you got to shake some of this real stored energy off. Mm -hmm. um, and so in bioenergetics and meditation work, you know, and I, I work a lot with movement meditation, uh, you are looking to kind of use the sort of even the physical realm of shaking as a way of basically sort of um, uh, sensitizing yourself to uh, shake off stress. That's our normal nature. If you look at animals when they're stressed or slightly traumatized, uh, they will uh, freeze and then they will shake and then they'll walk off like nothing has happened. Um, and that shaking piece, I think we're going into, right? That's interesting, mm. right? Yeah. Because it's kind of like we need to shake it off. We do. Yeah. However we do it. 
shake it off. <laughs> mm, that sounds good. I mean, you know that I'm ready to ready to <laughs> dance, ready to party. That's definitely how I'm feeling Wonderful. right now. Give yeah. yourself permission to do that. You know, give. I would say give ourselves permission to enjoy, to really go into that positive frequency of life, to really up and expand our frequency, to say yes to life. Uh, mm. Because we've been meeting a lot of no's, right? There's been a lot of no this past few years. Yeah. We have to go into the yes. And, you know, like I said, with responsibility of some sort. So, yes, yeah. I encourage that. Great. Well, it's it's interesting <laughs> that you said, you know, how was this experience for me and, and actually right. noting good or bad and actually in between. Well, I was thinking, you know, I heard something the other day. I think it was an audio book that I was listening to. And it was this, it was this scientist that said 50% of our memory is imagined. And he said that basically mm, when we tell right. a story, so when we tell a story of, oh, this happened, whether it was two weeks ago, whether it was 10 years ago, actually 50%, if not more, of what we are recalling is imagined. So we kind That's of, you right. know, we'll, we'll exaggerate something or we'll leave something out that we don't really think was important. And it's interesting because when you said good or bad, I was thinking for myself, honestly, mm. in the last year or two, mm. there's been both like extremes. Right. There's been some right. extreme highs where, you mm. know, career things, mm. you know, bringing out the book and, and that was really yeah. well received and certain, you know, yeah, work things that I've probably had so much time to focus on and really kind mm. of put all my energy and focus on. And also right. my son, you know, him being off school, I guess, again, probably both, you know, having to homeschool. Yes. There's, there's, I've had so many wonderful days with him, you know. When yeah. Last summer, I think about the weather was great. Every day we'd go, he, he would ride his bike whilst I was running. You know, yeah. we'd sit in a garden and eat lunch together and all these things Lovely. that when he's at school, I'm never going to get to do that right. again you know right. It's, right. So there's been positives but there's certainly been some real real challenges as well and when you said that I was thinking I really want to write down whilst I can yes. remember okay yes. all these great things happened and this made me feel good and I enjoyed right. this and all these things that were difficult and things that went wrong and things that I didn't enjoy and things that dark days where I was literally just like I'm an extroverted person I can't be in my house anymore you know I think we've all felt that because I think I honestly think that as you said we have this temptation to just forget about it let's look forward let's move on and right. I know that I definitely am that kind of person who can just be like okay next but actually then when you look back and reflect I'll probably like I say if 50% of our memory is imagined then potentially you don't really have a full understanding and a full picture of what that experience was like right so here's the thing you know in the truth of it it actually, and I mean this in the right way, but it actually doesn't um, fully matter that you get it all right, right, in your past. Because really what I'm doing or what I would always encourage is that you pause now to get present and you process from the present state, right, so that you can evoke a, a new sense of memory system in your body, right? So it's a really important aspect of, uh, I think we were talking about this the other day as well, you know, about and planning and looking into the future mm. it's the same as looking into the past as you say actually none of it exists in the present but what it is it's a it's a way for you to view into your world in order for you to process something right now in order to transform it for you so you can move forward do you see mm. and that is the key of this kind of process it's not about diving back into the past and trying to relive anything because you can't uh, what you're doing is you're activating memory in your body, but your body is actually telling you something from the present state. And so all I would encourage is that so that you don't carry uh, memory in your body of things that have happened in the past, it's better that you are able to release that 
and move forward into a, a future that you'd actually want to create for yourself. So really, that's, that's the key in this time, uh, because we're going to experience more freedom as such, certain kinds of freedom. Mm. And uh, as you say, the temptation is just to kind of go wild and forget what we've been through <laughs> yeah for me but for, maybe for others it's it's not the case you know some people probably are thinking like I said there's an anxiety there's a fear there's a kind of whether it's fear of not just the the virus itself it's interesting when I speak to people who say that they're they're anxious or they're fearful about returning to work or returning to life it's not that actually the virus that they tell me that they're afraid of it's more it's other things that have changed so maybe it's that they've got used to being at home and they've created a new routine so for example at the start of lockdown you know I talk, I talk obviously a lot about morning routine and about movement and people were reaching out and saying Adrian, you know what this is the first time in my life because the the time that I now have, I've created a morning routine and I'm working out more and I'm, you know, I'm reading more and I'm doing all these things that I never had time for before. And I think a lot of people's fear is that actually with the expectation of going back to maybe their previous work or, or their previous schedule, that suddenly they, they feel this lack of, you know, every time we gain something, we lose something. And it's this idea that, well, I'm going to have to give up my my morning routine now or I'm going to have to give up my daily yoga that I was doing or because now I won't have time again so yeah what about those people who are who are what can they do to try and keep the things that they want to right I mean so I guess it moves into you know the power of practice you know and uh, as you know and I know I've been using my daily practices for 20 years or more actually um, and they are the priority in my life so regardless of what's happening in the world or what's changing around me, they have become my go my absolute non-negotiable, regardless of where I am or how the world is. And they have helped me, of course, frame the world. I guess, you know, on a practical level, um, you know, it's, it's, I, I, we don't know how the world is going to shape, uh, you know, in these next couple of years. It's really interesting, isn't it? Because, um, you know, are people going to go back to the, the way it was? I, I don't know. We just don't know. And I think mm. if they can hold on to, see that they are committed to practices or things that are good for them to self-regulate in their day, then, you know, you will find your way. If that is your ultimate priority, and it became my ultimate priority, and life revolved around it, even my work, my commitment. You know, before I was working as a creative director in the luxury world, I was working for many luxury brands, uh, and my world was about that. And then I was dotting in a few kind of practices in and around it. But actually, over time, I realized if it's my ultimate priority, then my life will be built on it. Um, and so for those who are finding practice, make it put it up your priority list, you know, mm. um, and make it non-negotiable, even even around working life or things that are there for you. You can make changes that are re and it's really important to make changes from this experience, actually, uh, mm. so that we can go forward more consciously in life. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think a lot about, you know, environment and, and our, you know, relationships and these things, of course, impact us for better or for worse. And so right. with the example of the, the the lady that I was speaking to, she was saying that actually, you know, because of her social life and because of her work life, she used to drink, uh, you know, after work with friends, she'd drink at events. She's like, she was basically saying since being at home, she stopped drinking alcohol and she's right. like, I'm sleeping better. I get up in the morning with more energy and I'm able to do all these. And she basically was just like, I know that when I go back into to that environment where everyone else is drinking and it's she was like I'll, I won't she well she firstly she was like I won't be able to stay you know not drink anymore she's and I was like well if as you just said if you want to make that choice and make that change I'm not saying it'd be easy but actually maybe this is an opportunity to go 
you know what? I've made a change in my life that I don't want to go back to. I want to have a yes. new normal. And that's my new normal. Absolutely. You know, so the transformation has already happened for her. It's just really whether she wants to commit to that. Um, and that's, I guess, will be, that's all of our choice, right? I, I guess what I would always say is once your body knows something, um, it, it kind of holds it. So, for you know, I always say the body cannot lie. It's a really interesting thing, right? So the mind is a is a is a different kind of it's a it's a different kind of tricky tool, but the body itself can't lie. So if the body's not experiencing toxins on that level, the body will kind of keep reminding you um, that what it feels like, as you say, she's sleepy better, she feels better. So if that goes back into her body, her body will first of all, you know, have a conversation with the mind and go, okay, what's this again? Um, and at that point, she'll need to make a decision, and that will be her test of will and her willpower, right? So if I were coaching her, I would be looking at how she could build willpower in and around those situations. Hmm. Yeah, willpower, willpower. To be honest, I think most people have gone the other way, Chris. Most people are like actually drinking more because they're at home and they're just, you know, every night it's become, it's become the willpower flex is to, to avoid the wine in the evening. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Yes, of course. It's kind of like, well, then, you know, of course we need, you know, I always look at there's two different types of medicines. So there are medicines that are good for you and the medicines that are not good for you, but um, they feel good. Uh, so, you know, of course, uh, we, we kind of want to pacify ourselves and also not have to feel everything because it's quite a lot, you know, to feel what's been going on in this world over these past few, few years. Mm. Um, it sometimes just can feel too much. Uh, there's too much change. Um, so, of course, the temptation is just have a nice glass of wine and just soften our, our view of the world. And, you know, I'm relatively OK with that in terms of what I see for people. But I think it, if it's just if it forms a habit that you just know um, you're not really facing something in yourself, then of course it's worth the challenge. <laughs> mm, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So we mentioned a little bit before about how, you know, so much has changed in terms of interaction and the way we communicate, the way we work. So for me, as, as I said, being an extrovert, a lot of the work that I did before was face-to-face, you know, lots of events, lots of meeting with new people, lots of, to be honest, even if it was just a meeting, it was always, oh, let's have, a breakfast or let's have a lunch or let's meet here or let's meet there. I never would have said to somebody, um, you know, if I was working with a new brand or a client, I never would have said, oh, let's just do a video call. I, I wouldn't <laughs> have done that. And now it just seems such a, you know, my in terms of time efficiency, I can do a video call from my home and I haven't got to travel anywhere. I haven't got to, you know, that the kind of so much time saved, but I, you know, I do really enjoy being in the room with people. So do you think that, you know, in terms of communication, uh, not just for work, well, maybe, yeah, let's start with work. So doing video calls, doing, you know, Google Hangouts, Zooms, where there's 20 people on a call, like, do you think that actually, yeah, moving forward, if we, I guess, keep this digital virtual world, it's, yeah, it can make us more time efficient, therefore we can, because my whole thing is reclaiming your time, right? So if you can right. take more of right. your own time back to go for a run or to read or whatever, then that's that's a good thing. Uh, or do you think that actually it's never going to be, you know, the body language, the the communication, it's never going to be as good via a screen. And actually it's worth whatever it takes, you know, the trip, the journey, the train, whatever it's worth, it's worth it to be in the room with people. I guess, you know, the, the truth is it's it's rather than an either or, I think it's at both hand, isn't it? Really coming forward. And um, we're going to have what I would call the blended reality. You know, it's kind of where we're mixing 
you know, digital and IRL, which is, you know, the, the words, <laughs> I'm, I'm learning mm -hmm. fast, you know, for someone. <laughs> but IR, I'll see you in IRL just always felt like this really funny because IRL, I'm Irish, of course. So IRL is an Ireland <laughs> number plate, uh, you know, when you're traveling around Europe. I was like, yeah. okay, I'll see you. I'll see you in Ireland too. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll see you in IRL. But actually I realized that um, we are moving into blended realities and I'm fascinated by that. Actually, Oprah was built on that, my, my app as well. And I'm fascinated by this because I kind of feel like um, what's really important. And I remember I did a talk at Google uh, last year um, or no, two years ago. Of course, last year didn't exist, but two years ago, <laughs> <laughs> I often say last year and I actually mean two years ago. It's quite funny. Um, and um, I, uh, I was talking to young young 20 young early 20 somethings who mm. were working at google and they were all having sleep issues uh, they were all having really difficult problems with attention uh, they were completely addicted to their social media and to their um to their online life and they were all talking to me i did it we were talking about meditation and sort of taking time out and they were saying to me you know um can you know is it good to do digital detoxes and, uh, you know, shall I just stop my phone for four days and sort of see how that is? And, you know, hopefully I'll relax. And actually, my response to them was no. And one of the reasons why is, of course, I think it's very good to turn your phone off. But if you are at their age, you turn your phone off for four days. Trust me that you will be experiencing so much anxiety at that time because you're constantly battling with trying to work with your phone. Right. It's kind of like you're your receptors, your reward receptors in your brain are kind of going, give me something, give me something, <laughs> you know, um, it won't be that relaxing, you know. It's um, like the cold turkey. It's kind of, yeah, right. You're going cold turkey from that <laughs> We need to gradually it's, wean ourselves off. <laughs> I know. It, well, it's a bit like, you know, it's a bit like uh, when I, when I when people say, oh, you know, when I meditate, it must be really relaxing. And I'm like, no, it's not. Meditation is an awakening process. You know, it's sometimes relaxing. Sometimes it's torture. Sometimes it's, you know, uh, uh, you can just, your mind is so busy. And that's when people say, oh, I can't meditate. It's actually, they are meditating. It's just that they're noticing how busy their mind is. Um, so what I'm saying is kind of, um, you know, being still um, can often bring this sort of sense of agitation. Anyway, so going back to the Google people was um, I was, you know, talking about uh, how can you actually blend your realities? So this is where I'm coming back to your question around being on and being off and actually knowing how to master that uh, so that you understand how much you can uh, move into what I would call natural reality, which is kind of real life reality, mm -hmm. um, our digital reality, which is a reality that's growing. And then I would say our inner reality, which is what I would say is sort of our more conscious reality. And those three places for me are wonderful places to keep moving through uh, rather than any of them dominating your time. And if you notice they're dominating your time, spend more time in the other one, right? So it's really about balancing through those different realities rather than saying, let's forget digital, let's not Zoom anymore uh, versus, um, uh, you know, let's um, go and prioritize meeting people because you're right, it saves you time to be on digital there's so many meetings as you know we know that we sit in and we often think gosh that why did why did we sit there for an hour we could have done that in 10 minutes <laughs> mm. or it could have been an email <laughs> <laughs> or it could have been an email or exactly why did we sit in all those meetings after meetings after meetings and mm. i think it's bringing so much great efficiency so like you say you can spend great time being in your inner reality or your natural reality that's so cool 
you know. Mm. I'm like, I really you. like this idea of that you were describing of these different realities because I often feel like the digital world just gets, you know, it just gets a bad rep. It just gets bashed. It just gets told, you know, people get almost shamed for this thing of like, you know, you're addicted to your phone. And they kind of say to people, you know, look at your, you know, you're a zombie. You're a slave to this. You're staring at this screen and it's not real. And, you know, put your phone down and get back into the real world. And, mm. and, and it's interesting, actually, that you describe it as these different realities because, Yes, if someone's online, maybe they're watching a video, maybe they're sharing a video, maybe they're live streaming, maybe they're posting a photograph, maybe they're reading and interacting and tweeting, or they're still, I mean, of course, there's bots and there's, you know, but people are interacting with other people via the internet. So it's still yeah. a form of reality. It's Absolutely. Not, you know, I think at the moment people, yeah, they try to... I don't know, like shame people for this, like, oh, you're pathetic. You know, you care too much about this like digital world that doesn't exist. But as you described, it is a form of reality. It is an existence. It is an existence. We must embrace it. But I would say we must embrace it consciously. So, you know, for me, technology is a presencing tool. You know, I mean, if anything, I'm dedicated to this world. It is to help people expand and be inspired in the present state. That's my kind of, that's my purpose for the world. So presence is the fundamental place and meditation is a, a way to get you there. And so my sense is that if you're in technology and you're presencing, so you're in communication or you're engaged with something that's activating your present state, not your sort of anxiety state, your future state, your comparing state, then that's a good thing. So communicating online is fascinating. Learning online can be fascinating, but watching the triggers and responses that some of those things give is what you need to manage. It's not the digital tool, Right. That's your inner world. That's your inner reality that you need to work with. So, for example, if I go onto social media and I see um, someone, this is not the case for me personally, but if I see someone who's super successful and I'm and I'm sort of looking through them and the first thing that I go into is, oh, God, I wish I could be like that. Oh, look at them. They're perfect. They've got everything. All of those things. That is an inner reality that I'm experiencing. That's not the digital uh, space, Right. And so the separation and going into your inner reality is what needs to be taken care of at that point um, and looking at your triggers and responses and how do you actually work to master those? That is the key. So that's why I would always say, how do you flip out of digital for that moment and go into your inner self? Notice what's happening so that you can go back into the digital world and work in a way that may be more detached, more, more non-judgmental. That's the key for me in way of mastering technology. Yeah. Yeah. I think we can all relate to that, Chris. And, right. you know, for me, I think back, there's a really specific time in my life when I remember I was trying to get pregnant and I'd had a miscarriage and I just, my whole world at that time was just babies, 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 you know, everybody that I saw who was pregnant, everyone was having babies. It's just, you know, that's where I was in my life because my son was young. And, and basically I remember following online, um, this uh, she was a blogger and I followed her she did have children but she was also like you know fashion and lifestyle and I just I just really liked her vibe and her energy and you know we follow people online and then she did this announcement post that she was pregnant with twins and I saw it and obviously you know all the comments and that was so exciting and it's so amazing and like I mean I'd met her a few times but she certainly wasn't a friend but I definitely had this feeling of just like, oh, like this, you know, again, like I said, I'd had a miscarriage. I was so desperate to be pregnant. Now, in that moment, you know, it's not social media is toxic. It's not all social media is terrible. It's me. I just had to go, you know what, right now for me, I don't need to see that every day. I don't need to. It's not that I don't wish her well. Of course I do. But let me just unfollow that person because for the next nine months, as she posted pictures of the bump and the pram and the push and the getting, you know what? 
that for me, I don't want to see that right now. It's nothing to do with her. It's nothing to do with her. I, I, and it's nothing to do with the platform. It's no, literally it is not. at that time, it was just what I needed. And, you know, fast forward a year or whatever, and I probably re-followed her and I was like, oh my gosh, cute kids. And I'm just, I'm, I'm able to do that. But I really remember that moment in my life, actually. That's a really good uh, example to all the listeners out there who are feeling like that. You know, it's like you must manage your own triggers. Everything can trigger you or it does not have to, right? So as a meditator, you're always working with triggers. What that means is, you, as you said, you, it's your perspective, right? So one perspective is that, you know, you're feeling you're comparing yourself to her, you don't have it, you feel terrible for yourself. But actually, you're, when you flip, and you've spent time away from that trigger, and you go back to it, it doesn't trigger you anymore. Suddenly, you're saying, oh, right, I really celebrate you. Um, it's because your perspective has changed, it's nothing mm -hmm. to do with her. It's absolutely yeah. nothing to do with her. So what I would say is that that is the invitation to go into the discipline of self-awareness. And I would always advocate because that meditation is a tool for this. Meditation is not about becoming um, a sort of expert in breathing. That does not matter. Meditation is a way of life. It's a way of seeing the world. And that's what it's so powerful for. And that's what I am here to keep reminding us, that it's not mm. just about de-stressing it's about the way you see and act and behave and be in the world wow well let's actually dive a little bit deeper into that chris because i feel like the way you talk about meditation even just then you know i feel like if anyone could ever help me to understand meditation it would be you because oh. honestly because i feel like i've always my whole life i've always said like oh you know i'm someone who thrives in motion and in doing and in running and in action and i'm just not yes. i can't i can't engage with this practice of meditation in, in the way it's been described or taught to me previously yes. so breath work is different breath work is something i've been able to i think because it is more like listen to this follow these steps do this breath it, again it's action so breath work is something i've really really enjoyed but meditation i'd love it if you could yeah share with us you know for anyone listening like what is it what isn't it what what it is what it isn't and how someone if they've never meditated before or they've sat for 10 minutes and said oh i can't meditate it's just not for me how help us chris where can we okay. start <laughs> of course <laughs> of course so you know for me like i said meditation really is a way of seeing the world it's really about uh having a view of the world in a non-attached way so what that means is basically you're able to uh, be with yourself and accept all that is around you, okay? And whether it's triggering you or not triggering you, you're able to just be in the world, okay? So the fundamental part with meditation, the reason why uh, we close our eyes and we start breathing and going into our inner world is because what we're able to do through this very simple act of consciously focusing on our breathing is we're able to observe the way we see the world, right? We're able to just observe. Now, sitting in observation requires a certain kind of action. What you might think is not an action, it is an action. Observation is an action, right? What you're not doing is you're not judging, you're not, uh, you're not triggered by something, you're not comparing, you're just watching yourself judging, you're watching yourself comparing. Do you see? So it's the watching part that it brings the sense of meditation into you, into your life. And it's the meditator is the watcher, right? The, the, the doing part, like you say, is always fun because it engages our mind. But meditation is that step into a deeper sense of watching the mind. Always think of meditation as observation and watching. 
right? Now, of course, as you know, that's easier said than done. (laughs) (laughs) And the reason for that is because our mind has been controlling us for so long in our system, but our mind is only one part of our system. And meditation integrates all of those different parts of our system. Meditation is very physical, by the way. It's not, you know, it's amazing how we say, well, I do all these things, but then I can't meditate. It's a very physical practice Hmm. to meditate. It's first of all, sitting, potentially sitting, you know, I would always advocate meditation is fully involving movement. So whether I'm using breath work, right? Breath work is a meditation format. You like it because actually it's active, but it's Mm. breath work, right? Uh, But running is meditative. Uh, You know, life and all our doing this has a meditative aspect. Mm. Only when you're engaged as an observer, right? Now, the reason why, so for example, when you run, because you're a runner, right? You go into the zone, right? You get into a zone, right? At some point, you run through your resistance and, you know, all the triggers of the mind. And then what what happens to you? You go into like a a zone. How would you describe that zone? Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. So there's, yeah, there's the time in the run when I might be, yeah, thinking, thinking essentially. Then there's time when I'm listening to a podcast or listening to a book or might be a point where I'm going up a hill and thinking, wow, like this is really tough. I need to exactly. pick up my knees or I need to slow down. But I know what you're talking about. I definitely have times in the run where I'm in what I describe as my, I guess, flow state or Perfect. this feeling of, I don't really know where the last 10 minutes went. And I don't really, you know, I'm just, I'm just running, I'm running, I'm running. And suddenly I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm back home, you know? Yeah. yeah. So that's exactly the meditative state. That's it. And the reason why you are there is because you are totally present with what is happening. You're not thinking, you're not processing anything. You're just running. You're just on the land and you're just running. It's that, that is the flow state where you're not catching your thoughts. In the flow state, you haven't got time to catch your thoughts, right? Mm. Because they're flowing. I I always say that. It's like, you know, most of our day is like uh, swimming upstream. We're using our thought processes. We're getting somewhere, but we're sort of moving through our thought stream our thought uh, processes, whereas the flow state is literally releasing and going down the river, right? That is the meditative state. It is simply just being with life, observing it, letting it pass, letting it be with us. And that really is the fundamental aspect of meditation. Now, there's lots of tools, how to, you know, a lot of people go, I can't meditate. I would advocate you're meditating all the time. You've just got to remember and find your way in, right? And that is so important. So our thoughts, feelings, sensations, they're all layered on top of our presence because we're always here. We're not, we're not somewhere else. <laughs> Do you see what I mean? Yeah. We are always here. And we've just got to remember, like you are right now sitting where you're sitting, talking through a microphone, talking to me. That is it. On top of that, then, is all the other thought processes and feelings that come in and around that. Yeah. So we're always, we're always able to drop into that deep stillness, always. It's just if we choose to or remember to. Yeah, and it's re- yeah, I really like that, and it's really helpful to think about it in in that way because I personally, again, like I said, if I was to just sit sometimes and say, okay, let's give this meditation a go, just sit and be quiet, Adrian, and be still, and yeah, it's that the, it's the way the way I would describe it, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate, is it's this mental to do list of like, okay, sit here and don't think about the email that you need to send, or oh, what about that um, person you need to get back to, or oh, what about you know, oh, maybe I'm a bit hungry, what am I going to eat for lunch, or it's it's, and I know that even that you, it is observing thoughts, but 
it's not observing the thoughts. It's it's yeah. in my mind. I'm doing work. I'm thinking, okay, I can send this. Maybe I'll say that. Oh, I should do. I'm actually doing the work as so that then when I come out of, for example, if it's ten minutes, I'm then like, ah, okay, now I can do all those <laughs> right. things that I've just been thinking about. You know, I'm well, like that's. that's... <laughs> I love that. That's pretty cool. <laughs> At least you're giving yourself some quiet time to think. Yeah. So what I would say, the fundamental difference is you must remember this, that meditation is a training. You know, it is not, uh, it's, it, we have to train ourselves because we have untrained our mind. Our mind is so undisciplined. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, you know, as you say, when you sit, our mind just goes, oh, well, I'll have a breakfast. Da, 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 and it starts bouncing around like crazy because you've given it a container of stillness to do that. Normally you don't even notice because we think we are our mind and we're not. It is a component of who we are. So the most important thing with meditation is to keep training yourself like you have trained yourself to run. You will always stumble and stumble and eventually you'll run up that hill with ease and you'll get to the top and you'll find your flow state. That's the same with this practice. It is exactly that. But what I would say is you don't need to train by just sitting there torturing yourself. You're already going. You're you're already very advanced in what you're doing in meditation. You know, of course you are. So I would neglect this idea that you have to, you know, achieve 20 minutes of silence. Um, That to me is not what I, I mean. That's what I did. I trained that way because, of course, I had no apps or no nothing to guide me. I went to find teachers and spend 10 days in silence. Um. And, you know, the, the, that training uh, is is great, but I wouldn't advocate it for everybody. Um, what I would say is that you need to understand and, and know that you are and always are in a meditative state and you can drop into that through this training process. Mm, okay. Well, Chris, tell us about your app and tell us about ah, yeah. the different tools, the different things that are available mm, and how yes. people can yeah access a little bit more of you. Oh, thank you. Well, so my app is called Opo, O-P-O, and um, people can find it in opo.world or they can get on the app store and find it uh, in Opo. So actually going back to what we were just talking about, about mixing this, the digital and technology with um, realities, um, I created Opo as a way of doing that. So um, meditation has often been sort of associated with our inner world. So you close your eyes and you go off and journey inside. Uh, so what I wanted to do um, was basically create an app that helps people move outside and around the world so that they can find meditation points and they can sit in a place. So, for example, in London, you could go to Berkeley Square in central London, sit on a bench, you open the app and you can download a guidance, a meditation guidance that will guide you with your view exactly around you. So your eyes are open, you're observing the trees, the road, the sky, And you are going into a very sort of what we call a sort of present state through observation, eyes open. And I'm building these little points all around the city uh, of London right now. And then I want to put them around the world, whether they're in mountains or across the beaches, um, so that you can meditate anywhere and you connect with the real world around you. And that brings you into the present state. So OPPO is a way of connecting with the world around you and within you. That's it in a nutshell. Wow, that sounds, yeah, as you described, the real world, the virtual world, because again, saying to somebody, okay, lay in a room with 40 other people, you know, in a very small studio in London, looking up (laughs) at the ceiling, and there's a, you can hear the train going past, and then it says, imagine that you're, you know, listen to the running water of the stream, and you're like, (laughs) okay, you know, so all I (laughs) <laughs> yeah all I can hear is like old street tube so I think I really <laughs> I really like the idea that you can sit somewhere and actually see with your own eyes yes 
beyond this experience yeah so we also yes we do so we have this eye-open technique called mindful observation which is kind of the same as observing your inner world it's like you know when you have breath points or you do body scans and meditation you're basically observing your inside world but points in your inside world what i'm doing is just the reverse of that where you observe the outside world as well so we do some inner work but it's actually also about engaging with the world around us and we need this so much right now we need to go out and observe the world again and just fall in love with it again you know um even our city you know and fall in love with all of its kind of light and shadow all of its cool stuff but all of its kind of insanity you know um Mm. but we need to kind of fall in love with where we are so opo is a tool for that but the beautiful thing is that you can do things like mountain trails with it because it's a map based app so the app will take you to places um So you can run as well. You can run and stop. So imagine you could run the River Thames and keep stopping, meditating, running again, which is really good to refuel your mind. Mm. Um, So, yeah, it's like a wayfinding app that takes you through the spaces that you're in. Uh, And then you can stop, pause, meditate, see the world and then move on into your life. Great. Well, I'm definitely, definitely oh. going to be giving that a go because as awesome. we, as we've talked about, you know, I'm really desperate to be out of my house, but also yes. to, yeah, to just experience and to really experience. I think that's something that maybe the listeners of the show will, will be picking up on if they listen every week. Because last week I was talking about, um, you know, my... The, the sense of, yeah, wanting to have new adventures and to travel mm. and to experience. But actually, sometimes, you know, we don't have to fly to the other side of the world to to have an adventure and experience. And the reality is there's probably a, there's probably a hundred places within the city of London that I've never even been to. That's right. That's exactly it. And so I want to help you find those places. Uh, and I also, when you get there, you'll have a peak experience in your day. That's really important. So you will have this sense of real connection with the present moment. And also the way that I guide the meditations, we also input a lot of sound and really important vibrational sound into your brain. So this is so good for this time, especially post-corona when we have sort of minor, basically kind of minor trauma loops in our brain. Um, Mm -hmm. We're sort of in fear and anxiety a lot continuously. Um, So these sounds are so good for helping us recalibrate our brain states. Um, So I'd advocate that it's not just a pleasant experience. It's actually a really important self-regulation tool right now, but it's marrying it with the beauty of your surroundings. So how about that? Wow. Wow. Thank you, Chris. (laughs) Oh, well, it's a, I I wish it to flourish in the world. And it's just, we just launched and we're starting with London as our first mindful city. And now we're opening up different cities around the world and starting to partner with different businesses. So we want to, we've already installed them in offices in Notting Hill and central London. Um, So you'll be able to sit in your, in the new office space and you'll be able to meditate in and around the the building, looking out the windows, sitting on beautiful benches. So we're kind of constellating these meditation points in and around the world. Great. Well, keep a lookout for those if you are, yeah, if you are yeah, London-based. Yeah. It's called OPPO. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So 
So, Chris, I would love to talk to you about the Power Hour. And I'm sure the listeners would like to know how you start your day. And you're in Ibiza right now, right? <laughs> yes, I am. Yes. So what's the first hour of your day like? Okay. I love this. You know, and I just want to say quickly, I love that you do this. Because uh, for me, over the past 20 years, the first hour of my day is the most important. Uh, the way that what I do and how I engage, it forms my day. Um, so, I mean, you'll know this. And just as a bit of background is that, you know, the there's a lot of neuroscience uh, research that will show that your brain will map your day according to the first steps that it takes in the morning in the first hour. Um, so it's just so important. Uh, okay, so how do I spend my di- my morning? When I wake up, I meditate. That's the first thing I do. So I don't engage with any human or any phone. <laughs> That's really important. The reason why is that I allow myself time for me to process uh, the dream state and the unconscious state. So I meditate and I'll meditate for probably somewhere around 20 minutes. Uh, but what 20 does, sorry, minutes. Chris, what does that look like? Is that like sitting up in bed? Is that sitting on the floor? I sit up on my bed. I go to, I first and I stretch and uh, I just have a quick stretch, three breaths, hold my hands up into the air so that my head rises because my mm-hmm. head posture, I need to get more blood through into the head. And then I get on a seat. Uh, and I meditate and I sit mm. in normally a lotus position or a simple position. So my back is straight. It's not about any posture, particularly about my back being straight. So my breath can really channel. So 20 minutes to 30 minutes of meditation. Sometimes I'll do an hour in the weekends, but that's always my first point. Mm. Uh, so that allows me to settle the way my thinking is going. Right. So um, I'm able to relax, become relaxed and alert, which is really the meditative state. Then uh, I will normally have some form of physical activity. Um, so normally it's yoga uh, or I go training. I love to train. Uh, I love functional training in the body. Um, mm. And I always bring move, movement as the second part of my morning. And then the third thing I uh, will. So do you want me to explain more about my training or yoga or anything like that? Sure. Yeah. So Obviously, yoga for me is more integrated training because, of course, it's bringing a sort of mind-body connection. Um, so I'll ask you, are you following something or are you doing this because you've practiced for so long that you you, I, you know what I you're follow, do? I follow my own, uh, depending on what my meditation tells me, uh, my meditation time tells me, I'll do certain kind of yoga practices. Okay. Some will be more rigorous or some will be more stretching, but I like to sweat in the morning. Yeah. Um, I like the feeling of sweating and releasing. So I like a, you know, a powerful yoga um, with more sort of Ashtanga elements uh, or, or more kind of long holds on the body, more long asanas. Um, and then when I train, I'm training more on sort of muscular development, but also um, I like to bring some cardio in there and just make sure I'm really sweating and releasing and just upping my serotonin levels. For me, it's all about hormonal uh, management, really, at that point. Yeah. Um, and then the third thing I do, which I'm very fortunate to do, is I always go and spend time at the sea. So quite often I get into the water. So we do a lot of cold bathing here. Um, and uh, and or if it's hot and sunny, then I'll also get in for a morning dip. Um, and that, that will be my time to set intentions for my day um, and gratitudes as well. So I've been doing that for a long time. I guess when I started training in India, um, I started to learn about uh, the power of gratitude. This was, I guess, in the late 90s. Um, 
and with different uh, teachers and gurus um, who were able to show what happens to your brain by living your day in full gratitude. Uh, and that was quite a powerful, uh, extremely powerful experience to say, okay, gratitude is not just some kind of fake kind of write five things down and sort of hope for the best that they happen or hope for the best. It's actually a self-regulating tool um, and it helps you frame your day and your perspective of your day. So yeah. I'll sit on the beach um, and I'll just tune into the things that I really simply am grateful for. And it will be as simple as the air that I'm breathing and the sky or it could be something a bit more tangible um yeah. and i spent some time like that just really wandering and being really really being sounds great i feel relaxed already well <laughs> it good sounds great i want to come and visit you chris oh come you're welcome anytime <laughs> of course and just rem- you know i would always say the one most important thing about that is that i relax to get alert so i don't mm. relax to kind of have a lazy day i relax so that my body is at its most ultimate um, performant uh, place mm-hmm. and that means it's just most present basically yeah exactly because I think of course I'm saying that now you know oh yeah it sounds relaxing but I know what you mean it's not relaxing to them no. be like oh cool you're gonna chill it's actually this no, idea that you not. know yeah the optimum state as opposed to because to be Absolutely. honest if I think about the opposite of that it's more you know when people get up and they have no time and they're frantic and they're rushing and right. it's the adrenaline anxiety quick get these things you know kids to school jump Absolutely. on the train rush 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 and you're just like caffeine in and it's almost like wow that's the oh, to me I'm kind of thinking it's the Yes, the antidote to that, of that feeling of, you know, throwing yourself into the day, actually, as you say, calming, you know, checking, being present and then saying, okay, what do I want to do and and how am I going to do it? That's right. I mean, the thing is that what I would say is that, you know, I, I, you know, I'm I'm fortunate that I've created a life where I have that kind of space in the morning. But I'm also I'm aware that many people are up and it's the kids and it's the you know breakfast and things. So my my challenge to them or might be you sometimes with your kids is how do I find those micro spaces in and amongst uh, that time? You know, because I can choose to do everything frantically or I can do choose to do everything with grace and flow state. It's really up to me. And at that point, that is really just about awareness perspectives. But meditation will always help you gather that perspective. And that's why it's such a useful tool to do first thing the minute you wake up. I love that. I love that. And you know what, Mm. as well, talking about kids, you know, my son, he, I mean, he lives in the flow state, you know, kids, he just doesn't have, yeah, he doesn't have a sense of time. He doesn't have a sense of rushing. And also it's his personality. He's very laid back. He's very, um, yeah, he lives in the flow state. The the kids are our teachers of the flow state. When they're sad, they're sad. When they're angry, they're angry. When they're happy, they're happy. When, you know, they're not sort of sitting there in this sort of agitated kind of, you know, trying to work it all out. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And it just made me think of the other morning. This is is a typical kind of typical this sums dude up completely but I was actually I was on the mat in my living room I was doing pilates and he basically yeah. came down and he knows oh mommy's doing her stretches she's doing her workout and then he got his cereal he got his cereal he poured in the milk and then as he walked across the room he was looking at me and talking at me so he wasn't looking what he was doing and he's basically spilling the cereal the milk like he's spilling this trail <laughs> behind him and then when I said to him I'm like dude look at what you're doing he just looks and goes Oh, and he's like laughed. You know, there's no stress. There's no like, oh my goodness. He's just like, oh, 
Okay. Like, no, exactly. Spilling on the floor. You're just like, he just lives in his own flow state all Absolutely. the time. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I, I would say to you something around this, right? So chaos, right? Which is kind of this energy is a <laughs> yeah. beautiful, beautiful energy in our life. We must not make war with chaos. What we must do is we must learn to slow dance with chaos. We must learn to kind of see it, enjoy it, laugh with it, and just let it be in our life because it's a natural order of things, actually. And what mm. and so what I would say in the morning, if your morning first hour feels like chaos, then you have to become more still to see it clearly for what it is and not get in the way of it and try and sort of, you know, try and shut it down. It's to dance with it, just like you're saying, you know, because the kids are dancing with chaos. They're just so good at that. And actually, it's our natural order. If life is chaos. Life is always going to be chaos. It's wonderfully chaotic. Of yeah, course. exactly. And just laughing and embracing that. My a friend of mine, you know, he always says that his mornings are with his children because it's busy and it's fast and messy. And he always says that it's carnage. He's like, it's carnage in the morning, but it's fun. You know, it's just like, it's just how it is. Yes, exactly. So, you know, slow dance with chaos in the morning. Try that, you know, what yeah. that means for you. But it might just be, you know, slow down your perspective of it all. Just let it be. Right. Let it be. Right. Okay, Chris, we're going to do a quick fire round. I have got a few all questions right. for you and we're going to oh, go quick, that. quick, quick. Okay. So the first one is, can you tell us something that you have bought that brings you joy, something that you love that costs £100 or less? My yoga mat. <laughs> because I could do so many things on it. Great. Uh, one book recommendation that you recommend everybody should read? Well, the one I would say is The Power of Now. Power I think it's now. so essential. That's just so Eckhart essential. Tolle? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the next one is one piece of advice. I mean, we've kind of you've given us so much already on this topic, but one piece mm. of advice for someone who has never meditated before, but this week they're going to start. <laughs> remember that you are the master. You're, you, you have meditation in you all the time. You just need to remember it. Great. And my final question is, if you were to have one extra hour, so you're getting a bonus power hour every single day, there is now 25 hours in the day. How would you spend your extra hour? <laughs> uh, singing. Yes. <laughs> I don't sing enough. I would sing for that hour solid. I oh, love I love sing. that. I love to sing too. I love to sing as well. Brilliant. Thank you so much. So Chris, uh, tell us one more joy. time where people can connect with you, where they can find you, where they could reach out and find your app. Yeah, so they can get online. They can get onto opo.world. Uh, they can find us opo in the app store uh, or just search opo on Instagram and follow us and help us build these portals around the world. I would love that. Brilliant. Thank you so much. I've absolutely loved this interview and I cannot uh, wait to come and visit you in a brief I though. can't wait in person in IRL, <laughs> right? Yes. <laughs> Not in Ireland. <laughs> Definitely not Ireland. Okay, come here. Uh, have Thank a wonderful you, day. All right. Bye, Adrian. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Please do let us know if you've enjoyed the show. You can rate, you can review, all of that good stuff. Stay safe. See you soon. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.